Thank you for tuning in to Adversity University, and welcome to class. Hey, everyone, this is Sean. Just had our good friend Parker Gahagan on the podcast, and uh, I think we waited a little too long. He, he's a great story, very unique, and um, really excited to hear the feedback from this one. Well-spoken guy. He's, he's pretty stoic in the way that he answers questions, and like, it's, it's kind of crazy that he had the willpower to keep going after all the, the obstacles that he's overcome, you know, being part of the Army West Point program and pursuing professional sports is not easy. And he's found a way to do it and he's thriving at it. You know, he's one step away from the NHL and really hoping he can make it there. He has great training habits and, you know, Garrett brought it up that he lives that, that routine life that you would expect from someone who graduated from a military academy and um, great things today from Parker. Garrett, what'd you think about the interview? Yeah, obviously a great guy and we're fortunate enough to know him personally and get to train with him and be around him. Uh, you know, we talk about on here all the time, surrounding yourself with people that, um, you know, essentially make you better or are better you or better than you in some form of life. And I think, to be honest with you, Parker is in his daily habits. So I think that us just being around him um, has, has had a positive impact on our lives um, in, a, in a good way. But, you know, the episode is great. Like you mentioned, Parker has an amazing story and I'm happy that he continues to play the game. Um, to this day, as he mentions, he's very passionate about it. And there's been plenty of times that he probably could have thrown in the, the towel and said, I give up. And that's the end of the road for me. It's just not in my deck of cards. But uh, he just kept grabbing a new pack of cards until that, uh, you know, he pulled out a card that finally said that this is going to work out for him. So uh, wish him nothing but the best of luck. Their regular season starts this upcoming weekend. So best of luck to Parker and the, the Colorado Eagles. It's funny that you bring up, you know, surrounding yourself by people better than you for those habits to rub off because we, we spent so much time together this year. Um, once you guys all left for college, our typical training group dwindled to basically three of us. So Cam, Parker, and myself were the three guys, you know, still looking for somewhere to play. And, um, you know, we were driving an hour and a half, three times a week to go skate in Denver and, you know, at the gym together every day, spending so much time together. We were always joking about, how, you know, we were turning into each other, picking up each other's habits and, you know, giving each other a hard time. It's like, um, I think there was some saying it's, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So we would always give each other a hard time. Like, oh, my one fifth of you is really bringing down my average and stuff like that. But no, Parker's a fantastic guy and, um, you know, someone that is easy to look up to and someone that, you know, like you said, we, we hope has a lot of success. Let's kick it on over to Parker Gahagan. Finally, a summer school you'll actually want to attend. 365 Performance Hockey Academy Summer School is a 10-week program for players who want to take their hockey training to the next level. The focal points of this summer school will be on character and mindset training, on and off ice development, physical literacy and athletic development, as well as nutrition, sleep, and recovery. During these 10 weeks, players will take part in video training and evaluation, as well as community outreach to promote character growth. 365 Performance Hockey Academy is a 10-week program starting June 7th. Registration is open now, but act fast because spots are limited. Today's guest is a great friend of ours and someone I spent a lot of time with this past year. 
he, Cam Strong, and I were part of our own group of three guys who were just kind of waiting in limbo this summer and fall for this professional season to start with the quarantine and the shutdowns. Unfortunately, all three of our teams that we were originally supposed to play for opted out of the season. So we were scrambling to find new places with so many free agents looking for the same limited number of jobs. But I was very fortunate to have these two guys to keep my head on straight for 10 months of waiting and keep us focused on our long-term goals and not the bad situation we were in at the time. Back to the guest resume, he played four seasons of Division I hockey at Army West Point and has spent the last four years as a professional goaltender, currently playing in the American Hockey League for the Colorado Eagles. Welcome to the podcast, Parker Gahagan. What's up? Good to be here. Parker, how are you? Uh, obviously, just kind of gave him a rundown with the quarantine, but now that you found a team, how have you been settling into pro? It's been good. Yeah, I started um, right after Christmas. I went to uh, played in Utah on the coast for a little bit, got a few games in and um, got here a couple weeks ago. So it was good to get a few games under the belts after, uh, what is that, seven, eight month hiatus. So um, yeah, so it's been good. And then it's always great uh, getting back in American League and, you know, facing some great competition up here. Were you surprised to get such a quick call up? I mean, you were only in Utah for two, three weeks, right? Yeah. I mean, initially when I got there, I was, you know, I mean, I feel like you always think about that and prepare for it, but um, to have it happen so quickly, it was definitely a little bit of a, a surprise. Cause I mean, pretty much after my first game, my, my agent was telling me that they were working something with Colorado. So I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. You have experience with, you know, call-ups up and down, and we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. But, uh, you know, you stayed in New York from minor hockey through junior hockey before deciding to attend the Army West Point, uh, which is also in New York. Were you talking to other Division One schools, and did the location have anything to do with your decision? Yeah, initially when I was talking, I mean, it was between kind of Canisius Union and, um, and Army, and – I think Canisius was, you know, it was a very like safe option, I feel like. So kind of, I'd be just like staying another four years at home and, um, you know, knowing the area. So, I mean, I think location definitely played a part in it. I mean, Union would have been nice because I mean, it's three hours from Buffalo, but at the same time, it's, you know, you kind of have to take out loans and I don't really feel like having my parents take out a second mortgage just so I can go to school. So, um, you know, I think financially as well, it, it made sense. And then with Army, there's also the, uh, I mean, when you look at it, it's just like, you kind of look at it as a challenge, I guess. So that's kind of how I looked at it. And I thought it'd be a, a great learning experience. And, then, and also just a great opportunity, not only for hockey, but also just to kind of grow as a, a person. And, um, and yeah. Had you considered the military path growing up or was it, until you got that offer that you kind of thought about it? Yeah, it was, it was definitely once I got the offer, I was, uh, I really didn't know what it was, which is, you know, kind of weird with it being in the same state and everything. But um, yeah, it took a, it took an offer to really kind of look into it and kind of figure out exactly what I'd be getting myself into. Yeah. And obviously a, a big decision to make, because if I'm not mistaken, after your sophomore year, once you decide that you're coming back for your junior year, you are basically committing to, you know, serve in the military for what is it? Four years after that? It's uh five years. Okay. But I mean, yeah, same, same. It's definitely a big, um, 
big decision, but, but yeah, right after your sophomore year, you're basically that first day you come into class, your junior year is when, you know, you're, you're in it for the long run. Um, so yeah, I mean, especially after my sophomore year, I was, you know, I feel like everyone kind of looks at different options just to kind of see if, you know, if, if there's other paths you might want to pursue, but I mean, I feel like once you're halfway through, then you're, you're kind of, you're kind of in it anyway. Um, but yeah, just that, I mean, initially when I went there, I mean, I didn't like playing professionally really wasn't, I, I guess my goal or, I mean, I guess it's a goal, but it wasn't my priority at that point. I mean, I was kind of looking at it as, you know, kind of an opportunity to, to improve a program and just, uh, I feel like my philosophy going into any team is trying to make it better than, than when I got there. And, and then also kind of just learning um, just to kind of manage, you know, my emotions kind of grow as a leader and as a person and kind of just seeing um, as those, those positives from it as well. So, um, so yeah, so initially going in, I, I had no idea I'd be, you know, even have the opportunity to play professionally, but, just with like, you know, my junior and senior years kind of getting the opportunity really complicated things, but it was definitely a blessing. You mentioned it briefly, but you were looking at other options, you know, just to see what was out there after the sophomore year. And a lot of guys at Air Force and Army, they do leave after the sophomore year because, you know, they think they have a shot to go pro. Are, are you guys able to talk to other schools or how are you able to kind of put out feelers to see what those opportunities are like? Yeah, you are able to um, talk to other schools. You just have to get permission from the coaching staff. But, I mean, I really – I feel like I looked at it for about a few days and I was like, this this doesn't make any sense. I've already been here for two years. I've gone through the two the two hardest years probably. So, um, so I, was, I feel like I was really committed to it. I just uh, – I don't know. I feel like you're, you're always just looking for other options, just trying to see if there's other – other paths um, as well, but but yeah, I really I don't think I it was really in my mind to go anywhere else, but um, but yeah, I just think those first two years, uh, especially the first year being pretty difficult, and then uh, I think I started getting better each and every year. So um, so yeah, you just kind of have to talk through the coaches and you know be able to you know be able to communicate with them. But you know, I think G definitely knows uh, the transfer process. I don't know if that's a little hidden dagger or not, but uh, we know Coach Riley very well. I played with his two younger sons. His uh, nephew's my coach here now, uh, and you were fortunate enough that he was your head coach. So, you know, what what type of relationship did you have there? And, you know, I don't have the the player-coach relationship. It's kind of more of like, I don't even know really how to explain it, but we have a, a pretty good relationship. And after our episode, you know, that's kind of developed. Um, I'm curious to see how, how did you feel about him as a coach and what was your relationship like? Yeah. Uh, coach Riley's, I mean, he's an awesome individual, awesome coach. And um, yeah, I mean, I think those, I think he's just like a kind of someone you can learn from and kind of uh, be able to pick his mind. I mean, he's obviously been doing it a long time. So you kind of have be able to um, hear about his experiences and, you know, his stories is always, it's always very interesting. And um you know, I think he's he's definitely an old school type of coach. So he definitely loves to have guys, uh, you know, working hard and, you know, being able to block shots and everything. As as anyone who's played Army can can tell, we definitely take pride in the physical aspect of the game. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, he's, he's an awesome coach and, you know, he'd always be willing to have guys over and, you know, his door is always open to talk to guys as well. So he's uh, extremely transparent and um, definitely someone that, you know, I, I constantly staying um, in touch with and reconnect with. Um, so he's, yeah, no, I appreciate, definitely appreciate every, every moment I, I had with him. I want to get into the, the off ice part of army West point too. You know, you talked about that first year being really hard. What was basic training like? And uh, obviously so different from anything you've probably done before. How were you able to, you know, mentally and physically get through those times? Yeah, no, the basic training, that was a bit of an experience. I mean, it's, so it's six weeks when, you know, without your phone and everything. Um, but yeah, like once, once it starts, you really get thrown into it. So it's called like our day, which is when it all starts. And basically it starts with you going into this auditorium, like with your families and then someone, it's kind of like this big auditorium and then someone walks up to the microphone, you know, in the front and it's like, okay, you have 90 seconds to say goodbye to your loved ones. <laughs> and you're just like, Oh, okay. Wow, quick. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, um, I'm not the most talkative person. So, and I, I think we were also like prepared for it, I guess. So it probably only took me like 20 seconds to say goodbye. And like, okay, let's just get this started. Let's go. Um, but yeah, I think that first day is really your brain just kind of turns off and you're just kind of like going through the motions because that first day is all like getting all of your supplies and getting fitted for everything, getting shots. Like, I don't know, you feel, I don't know, like an animal going to a slaughterhouse or something. You're just like (laughs) next, next. (laughs) Um, so that first day was definitely, it was weird. I don't know. It's, it's like a full day of stuff but it feels like it went by in a matter of minutes. And then and at the end of the day, like you have this parade that you have to go in and you didn't know how to march like three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then you're rooming with two other guys that you didn't know at the start of the day either. So it's, um, that was weird for sure, but um, it definitely takes you out of your comfort zone. And I mean, I feel like that's pretty much what Army was in a nutshell. Um, yeah, and then the six weeks is basically just kind of learning everything and, you know, being able to, uh, yeah, I feel like just being able to have that discipline to, you know, listen to other people and um, just kind of understand that it's, I mean, it's really just a game. And, um, you know, I feel like the people that are leading you, they're, they're also just upperclassmen at the school. So just kind of understanding that they have a role to play as well. So it's, you know, I think it's all about perspective, not really taking it personally, but understanding the the situation that you're all in. And, um, but yeah, it was definitely a bit of a shocker, you know, going from juniors to, you know, where you have all the time in the world to this regimented lifestyle where you're waking up at consistent times every day and you're just, you know, it's a full day event. So, um, so yeah, six weeks of that was definitely, definitely a change. And then going straight from that into the school year was, you know, it was definitely tough as well. You talk about how regimented it is. And I've, I only know 
post army Parker, I don't know, pre army Parker. So do you think it was the army that shaped you into how regimented you are? Because since I've known you at least around the rink and in the gym, like you're there early, you do your stretching, you know, you, you're on the ice, you're working hard, you're off the ice, you're in the gym. It seems like your, your day is very regimented. And, and did that start before the army or do you think the army kind of shaped how you are now? I think there was a component, um, before the army. Cause I feel like I always, I feel like I always enjoyed like a regimented lifestyle, just, um, you know, just like getting up at a certain time. I mean, I feel like now it's, I just like to get up and kind of, um, just kind of get some stuff done, make you feel good about yourself, you know, whether it's like making your bed or just, um, accomplishing stuff throughout the day. So, I think it was definitely inside me before I went to army, but it definitely, I would say army definitely brought it out. Um, it kind of gave me, you know, a little bit more structure and be able to, um, you know, just kind of understand that. So, um, so yeah, I'd say it was, it was something that I enjoyed, but, um, I'd say, (laughs) I would say army definitely, um, it definitely forced me into that type of lifestyle. And it's something that, you know, I guess I just continue now. You brought up how the people leading you through it are just upperclassmen. And that's something that I also kind of relied on. Like when I was thinking about something really hard, like, um, you know, getting through that four year degree at school, it was like, man, this is going to be tough. But then I would just kind of think about like all the people who have done it before me. And it's just like, okay, that's like, it is possible. Like a lot of people do this, like you're going to be okay. Just breaking it down. Um, Were they, mentors along the way or was you know you you watch the movies and stuff and like they're all like hard asses screaming at you but um you know is it it's is it more of a family vibe at army west point and are they there to help you on the way um i would say so are we talking like all upperclassmen or just like hockey upperclassmen i I guess both um i think the hockey team is obviously different circumstances because they need you to succeed obviously Um, yeah right I'm more interested in the school side, but definitely talk about both. Yeah. So I guess just starting from the, the hockey ones, I mean, those guys are, I mean, they're more than willing to help you through it just cause they've, they've experienced it yourself there's themselves. So they obviously know exactly what, you know, is required of you and like everything that you're going through. So it's great to have those guys around and, you know, they're actually more than willing to help. And also with, with the hockey team, you have like teachers that are officers that are, that help kind of get you through certain classes as well. Um, so like our main, our main officer that was in charge of us, he was, um, he basically ran like a, I think the geography department or one of the classes you have to take. So, um, he'd be a great help with that. And then, there was obviously an officer that helped with physics, math. So you had plenty of resources as far as um, as far as school. But going back to the upperclassmen, just throughout the school, I mean, it would definitely vary. There'd be there would definitely be people there that um, you know. I think some people get a little power hungry or kind of weird when they have like authority. So <laughs> so there'd be definitely people that you'd stay away from. Um, but I would say the majority of people were, they were kind of there, um, as a support group and be more than willing to help you. Um, but I think everyone kind of has their own, not only like leadership style, but just kind of how they handle not only themselves, but 
you know, as leaders, how they handle people as well. So I wouldn't say they like got off on power, but they, um, there'd definitely be people that'd be looking to, looking to correct you if you were doing something that wasn't, you know, in line with, with the, uh, with the rules. So like your first year, you know, as a freshman, you're, you're not really allowed to talk <laughs> outside. <laughs> so whenever you, whenever you're like walking, you know, outside your class or something, you, you weren't really allowed to talk unless you were with an upperclassman. So if we saw any of our teammates, they would, you know, they would instantly come over and, you know, kind of walk with you or do whatever so that they could help you out and just be able to feel like a normal person. Um, and then, so people would definitely call you out if you weren't doing that. And then also you're supposed to like cup your hands, which is like, like this whenever you're walking around. I mean, it's just like, it's stupid stuff, but I think it's the, the discipline component of it that, uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the point of it. So, um, so yeah, there's like, I go on with the, the dumb rules, but there's, there's a purpose behind all of them, I guess. Um, are the underclassmen marked in some way or like, how could they tell just walking by if a freshman's talking outside? Yeah. So there's, um, everyone wears like rank, I guess. So the freshmen are the only ones that don't have like any rank. <laughs> so if you don't have like, it was usually on, um, on your collar for, it was called as for class uniform. It's, it was basically his wool pants that, were very uncomfortable. Um, and then this like, uh, old school, um, it'd be like a short sleeve button down shirt and on the collar, you'd wear your rank. So you could obviously see if, if they, you know, if you don't have any rank, then obviously you're a freshman or, um, and then other uniforms you have like on your chest. And if you don't have any, you have your rank on your chest, I mean, um, and if it's blank then, and you're kind of obvious, but, um, so you were definitely marked in a way or unmarked, I guess. Um, but I feel like at the same time, I feel like you kind of tell who was a freshman. I mean, they were, I feel like as a freshman, you're kind of lost and <laughs> you're just trying to figure stuff out. And, um, so I think not only in, in the fact that you don't have any rank, but just your demeanor, I think kind of <laughs> pointed that you were a freshman as well. Before we start recruiting some of our listeners to attend Army West Point, I want to move away and move into your pro career. Um, yeah. And at the beginning of your professional career, you signed a contract with the San Jose Sharks organization. Um, and the crazy thing is I feel like every year the rule on this changes on whether or not you have to serve in the military or you can play professional sports. So how did this rule derail your original plan to climb the, the pro ranks and make a name for yourself? Oh, man, this was a good one. So... Um, so basically when I signed with San Jose, um, it was probably in March of 2017. And at that time, the rule was that you could basically just trans. So like after, after West Point, after you graduate, you owe five years active duty service and three years reserve time. Um, and like active duty, like that's your full-time job. Like you're in it. Um, and then the reserve time is, you know, it's kind of, I guess you can think of it as like your priority. So when you're active duty, like the army is your top priority, then, then comes your family, then, 
whatever else you do in your life. Whereas like reserves, you kind of have your, your probably your family or your job or your top two priorities and that's the army. So those five years, I mean, that's, that's all you're doing is really army stuff. So the current policy when in March, when I signed was that you could basically change um, or I guess transfer all of your active duty time to reserve time. So instead of doing five and three, you would just do eight years of reserves. So I was like, Oh, cool. That's no, that's no biggie. That sounds, doesn't sound like much of an issue because when you're in the reserves, like you can, it's pretty much just like a weekend a month. You, you would have to do something or, um, or else I think you're able to transfer or just like do all that, um, service stuff like over the summer for a couple of weeks. So they were like very flexible. Um, but when it came basically like May 1st or 2nd, um, General Mattis um, at the time, he changed the policy to where you have to do two years of active duty time before you can like, before you have any other options. So obviously that's like a big you know, that's a big issue if you're trying to play hockey right after <laughs> you graduate. So, um, so basically I just had to work with it, but, but yeah, that, that policy has changed many times. It usually changes based on who's in office. Um, but right now the policy is that you can basically defer your commission um, until after your career is over. I'm not sure how they determine that, but um but yeah, so like Dom Franco's doing it. He's uh, in the Sabres organization right now. So, so he's been, you know, he's been able to play with them. And, um, and then once his career is over or whatever, then he'll be, then he'll be required to kind of pay that back um, and do some service time. So these rules change every year and, uh, you know, looking at your elite prospects, you've been a lot of different places and, you know, I, I know some of the stories behind them, but could we kind of take a year by year look at these circumstances <laughs> and how you ended up in each spot? So I guess yeah. we, we, we kind of talked about the Barracuda, right? Uh, you played a full year there um, because at that time you were allowed to convert all of the active duty to um, the other service, right? Yeah. So it's, well, I'll dive into it just cause it's kind of funny. Um, looking back at, at the, yeah, I can like, I can look back at it with humor now, but going through it, it was definitely, uh, <laughs> it was a, uh, definitely a challenge, I guess. But so after I graduated in May of 2017, then, um, so at that point you're just like, okay, so can I play hockey still? Or like, what are my options here? So, um, fortunately for me, I had, um, General Milley was the chief of staff of the army at the time. He's, he's been a big component of, for the hockey team, just cause he played at Princeton um, when he was in school. So he's been more than willing to help with everything. So basically once I graduated, it was kind of just looking, trying to figure out what our options were. So first was, it's like, okay, can I like station somewhere that's close to a team and be able to kind of do both at the same time? So like one option we were looking at was like, well, I remember like my wife and I just kind of looking like, are there any bases that are even close to teams? Like, um, I know one thing we were looking at was like Fort Eustis, which is in Virginia beach. 
like that's close close to Norfolk. Like, <laughs> is this a is this an option? Um, but I mean, I that obviously wasn't just because like since it's active duty, like you're still you know that's your full time job. So being able to play professionally and do that, that's just that's not really feasible. So yeah, you can't just duck out and go to practice from eleven <laughs> to two and then head back to the office, right? <laughs> No, no, there'd be some people would definitely be upset with you for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, at the time, I was also like, I branched engineers when I uh, graduated. So they were looking at that from like an engineer unit. Um, but then you had to do this, you had to do like some schooling where you're basically like trained in like underwater explosives to like be able to post there and I was like I think we're getting out of the, the point of this I'm trying to, just, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. so um so ultimately we're able to um kind of change my branch from engineers to like adjutant general which is more that's sort of like HR like uh, personnel management um and that just kind of gave me some more flexibility as far as um as far as like the initial training and everything. So basically, yeah, well, I'll just, I'll go through a timeline here because this was entertaining. So, um, so May and then, so I graduated in May <clears throat> and then mid June, um, I got married and then we did like a two week honeymoon just cause that was, you know, that's pretty much the only time to do it because then you start jumping in school and um, then you get posted to your first year and everything. So, that pretty much the day after I got home from the honeymoon, I was flying to San Jose for dev camp. Um, so that was, and so, I mean, flying across the country and then, you know, I, I hadn't like skated really in a couple of weeks. So that was a fun week, but um, so doing that. And then at the end of July reporting for Bullock, which was in, um, it was in Columbia, South Carolina. So basically like that process is really just kind of learning. Yeah, it's basically just like an introductory course to like what what you have to like typically do in your in your branch. So um so I was basically doing school that school from July until end of October. Um and I was able to go to a rookie camp in the middle of it. So basically I'd be doing school and then you know, that first week of September, I was granted leave to go and play rookie camp in San Jose. So <laughs> I got a week of leave to go play and then I had to come back. Um, you know, basically all I was doing to prepare for that, I was um, just driving to Liberty, you know, in Lynchburg, Virginia, um, just because we had some friends there. Um, and I was just skating with their their ACHA team, that uh, their D1 ACHA team. So I would just go there every couple weeks. So I was, <laughs> that's all I could really do to prepare for this rookie camp. Um, so what are, what are you telling San Jose? Like they obviously are interested in you. You're at their dev camp, they're at your rookie yeah. camp. And you know, you're like, I guess I'll just figure it out as I go. Like they got to make we a plan. We don't bring up Liberty ever again, by the way. That's it. That's <laughs> enough talk about Liberty. Yeah, no, I didn't want to dive into that too deep. All right. So <laughs> I kind of want to. <laughs> yeah, I could. I don't know what happened that that game but no comment um (laughs) but yeah so it was I mean it's really just working through my agent working with the team and just kind of like keeping them updated I mean they were 
they were definitely great just understanding that it was you know it was it was just like a joke really it was just, <laughs> like yeah um i mean it was definitely a big change for them just because at the time when i signed in march it was like oh yeah we're, things are good i'll just do reserve time there's like a reserve station in san jose i could just go work from there and then going from that uh, to the current situation was definitely a challenge but they were I mean they were great about it they they definitely understood and they worked with me through it so um so yeah I mean besides after rookie camp I just kept going back to Liberty every other week and just you know skating as much as I could and then and at the end of October when the school ended I was able to uh I was able to go to um, San Jose and report there. So I think I got there like Halloween 2017 and um, I just jumped into the AHL season, which, you know, it was definitely, you know, it was definitely a, a transfer transformation from the, uh, from the, uh, you know, just skating every other week at, at Liberty there for sure, but did what I could to prepare. So and then were you able to stay the remainder of the year from Halloween through the end of the season in San Jose? Oh, so that was, that was a funny thing as well. So, so I was in this like world-class athlete program as it's, as it's called. Not which a big is state- deal. <laughs> Yeah. It sounds a lot better than, than it is. But, um, but basically the point of the program is to just kind of like allow soldiers to train for the Olympics. So if you're in contention for an Olympic spots, then it just gives you the opportunity to train for it without, without having to um, be interrupted from training by having to do normal army stuff, I guess. So, so I was able to join this program um, largely because the, the commander at the time was an old army hockey player. So I was able to kind of use that connection to get into it because I mean, typically the people in this program are, you know, track or normal Olympic sports. <laughs> Not well, didn't they have the world cup of hockey coming up too, where college uh, athletes could compete in. Like I think Cal Peterson was there with Connor Hallibuck, uh, maybe one other guy. What that was around that time too. Was it not? That was around that time, but I was able to get into it more so on the basis for the 2018 Olympics. So, um, so I was able to get just like a letter from USA hockey kind of saying I'm competing for the Olympic team. And then, um, then I was able to go there using that. If, uh, if the NHL had been participating in that Olympics, do you think you would have been able to do that? Uh, probably not. I don't think I could have. That would have been quite the persuasion going from not playing any professional games to saying I'm a, I could make the Olympic team. But <laughs> Practicing with Liberty to make in the Olympic team? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm basically, a, you know, a division NCAA D1 team. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, so that was an interesting time for sure. Um, but, yeah, so I was, I was able to get there in Halloween and then Basically, with this program, you're not able to be in it more than like three years out from the next Olympics. So when February came along, the 2018, and I think I ended up like, I don't know, fourth or fifth on the list for the for that Olympic roster. Um, so obviously, I didn't go. Not so, a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was generous. I don't know. Um, but 
but basically since I didn't make the team, I actually had to leave San Jose and go back, you know, kind of the middle of the year and <laughs> oh, go. Wow. I had to go back to Colorado Springs at Fort Carson. And then they threw me into just a regular unit. So, um, first striker brigade combat team, fourth infantry division. <laughs> that was a unit I was in. Um, but, but yeah, so that was, that was definitely a big transformation, you know, playing, being able to be playing in the AHL and then just kind of being thrown into normal army life. You, so you got stationed in Colorado Springs. Is that why it says uh, that you played for the Colorado Eagles that year? Were you just training so, with them? Or? That was kind of funny because like a month after, I think it was March of that, of that year, um, they just gave me a call like – I think it was on a Wednesday or something like, Hey, we need a emergency backup goalie for this weekend. I was like, can you just drive up to, to Loveland um, and just be our backup? And I was like, oh, this weekend, well, I guess, I guess I'm not doing anything. So sure. I'll drive up and, and do this. So I was actually just the back emergency backup goalie for a couple games. Um, and that's kind of why that that's on the elite prospects. Well, it's funny that you were literally playing in the, the league above that and then they just needed you as an emergency backup. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not usually – it's the, the emergency backup goal is not usually someone who was playing in the league above it. But um, but it's definitely been kind of funny because, you know, a couple of the coaches here um, at the time I was emergency backup are still here. So they're oh, my nice. coach. <laughs> and then this is something that I've actually never seen on an Elite Prospects page. Um 2018, 2019 did not play. Um, I'm sure that'll be, you know, way more frequent now with the whole COVID situation, but uh, what happened here, you know, you just finished your rookie season. I'm sure you're, you know, excited to try and find a way to make it work. What happened there? Yeah. So it just kind of went back to like um, the rule for this uh, world-class athlete program where you're, where you're not allowed to be in it like more than three years out for the next Olympics. So Basically, from 20, February 2018 to February 2019, I really wasn't eligible to, to be in the program and to play. So, and obviously, come February 2019, you know, it's kind of tough to find a team at that point. Um, so, yeah, so that didn't really work out. And additionally, I was um, at my two-year mark, which was like May of 2019 as well. I was planning on just getting out and then going back to play with San Jose. Um, but, uh, but at that time they had, they had drafted a couple more goalies and basically had moved on. Um, they didn't let me know that, but, um, but <laughs> so I was still planning on getting out after the two years. So, uh, so I was working with them throughout that time to kind of make it, to get a contract with them and kind of use that to get out. And then, you know, I find out, you know, I find out in February or whatever, March that, you know, they, they wouldn't be extending me another contract. So basically at that point I was kind of stuck because I was, you know, in this, I was in the mindset that I'd be kind of work with them to get out. And then I come to find out that that's not actually happening. So, um, so that was, that was basically in like February of 2019. Um, so at that point, I mean, there's what, three months left in the regular season. So, uh, yeah, so it just didn't really work out for that year. But but over the, the summer, I was able to kind of figure stuff out. And 
um, I was able to kind of rejoin this program um, in 2019. The whole time, did you know that you wanted to continue playing professional, you know, taking a full season off? Um, you know, I, it puts you at a disadvantage for sure. Other guys are, you know, training and all that. Um, was there ever a time where you considered, you know, giving up on hockey? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I feel like all the challenges, I guess, are really, it makes you like appreciate it more. I mean, I feel like every day, every day at West Point, like you have a bunch of stuff that you go through, whether it's school or just the army component of it. And then once you get to the rink, it's kind of just like your safe haven in a way. So you definitely learn to appreciate the game and what it has to offer. So I think it started school, but then being able, being away from it for that year, um, you know, kind of just being forced to play, like, I think I just played like beer league for a couple of, couple days a week <laughs> so um being able to do that and and still just have a, a love and kind of just passion for the game you know I think it just kind of it cemented the fact that you know something that continue wanted to continue pursuing and um you know you definitely have thoughts of it's like does this make sense anymore or, um but I feel like still you know I felt like it was like basically my passion something that, that you know, I'd be, I don't mind doing like every day of the week for multiple hours. So, um, so I think just my, my passion for it just kind of, uh, convinced me that was something that I wanted to continue pursuing. Well, it's definitely really impressive how you, you know, jump through hoops and networked and we're looking for out, outside the box ways to play, you know, you considered going and doing what underwater with those bombs? Like, <laughs> It's crazy, man. It's like, but. So they're like, you know, they're more, it's like explosives and stuff. So, I mean, it was a consideration, but I think I quickly thought to myself, this, this doesn't quite make any sense. <laughs> Not the most conventional path, but I think it's, it's cool. And it's funny because we, we did an interview with Pierre Maguire and he loves talking about the stories of the players and how they got to the National Hockey League. And I think that your story is so unique. And I think a lot of people's stories is very unique. Uh, but you should be proud of yourself for your journey and your story. And, uh, you know, for not giving up and not quitting because you wouldn't have had the opportunities or met the people. I would never have met you if you wouldn't continue to, uh, you know, continue down the path that you have been. So, uh, you know, it's it's crazy what what hockey and what the hockey world does for you and what the journey creates for you as far as opportunity and people that you get to meet. And it's a very unique and uh, very cool experience. So I'm fortunate that you continued on. Well, it's been, been happy to meet both of you guys. You know, I wouldn't have been able to. <laughs> yeah. I just remember it was so funny. This, this goalie comes walking into our, our little training group with his American league bag. And I'm like, Oh, nice. Like he must've grown up here. He's like, Oh no, I'm actually stationed at Fort Carson. Like I'm in the <laughs> army, just try to get some skates in, still play professional. I was like, what, <laughs> what is going on here? This doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, hey, you're, uh, you're a home improvement expert now after this summer. Uh, what motivated you to start doing your own projects with your wife at home? And how do you learn to do those things? Yeah, no, it was just a lot of extra time. And, you know, we kind of, we bought this house like a year and a half ago. And we kind of viewed it as uh, an opportunity just to, just to learn. I mean, um, you know, I think in hockey and most things like you, you learn things through experience and 
um, and through failing. And I definitely, there's definitely times of failure, but <laughs> you, you kind of figure it out as you go along. So um, I think my first project was doing like a backsplash in the kitchen. Um, well, I guess my first one was doing, we basically ripped out all the carpeting and put in the new laminate flooring. Um, but I did that like right before I left for the uh, 2020 season, um, 2019, 2020 season. So it was, um, so basically I did all the flooring and then I left. So it was, <laughs> I didn't really get to enjoy it. Um, but during the quarantine, you know, you're kind of just at home, not being able to do anything. So we, we really jumped into, you know, like how can we improve this house? And, um, you know, I just, I think of the tiling experience because like my first time doing it, I did like the backsplash in the kitchen. I was like, this isn't so, this isn't so hard. This isn't so bad. Um, but then I jumped into doing like our first one of our bathrooms. And then I was like, I did the flooring and it really wasn't flat, but I feel like I had put so much time into it. That's like, you know, I'm just kind of like, I'm stepping and it's kind of lumpy, but, um, but then I had put so much time in and I was like, okay, this, this is all right. This'll do. And then my, my wife like comes in, she's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta redo this. I'm like, <laughs> so that was, that was a tough time, but, um, I'm glad she, uh, she was the reasoning behind it. Um, kind of got me out of my head. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was awesome being able to learn, just how to do all this stuff and largely how I learned to do it was just watching YouTube videos, I would say. And there were some helpful uh, deliveries boys working at Home Depot, getting you that stuff. I'm convinced that's why he did it because he didn't yeah. get to see enough at the rink. So he's like, I'm going to, you know, refurbish my house so I can go spend time with these guys at Home Depot. Yeah. That's like, I, I, I got to talk to these guys. I got to go to Home Depot, get that delivery. Giles is going to, you know, give me my toilet. This is going to be awesome. We're the experts. We know how to do everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. With the yeah, absolute no training they give you. And then people are asking you how to fix things in their house. And you're like, hmm, I know what aisle the nails are in. Like, what do you, what do you want? Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, this seems right. You know, um, yeah, this toilet seems like a good one. It's got eco-friendly, you know. Oh yeah. Just, just read the signs, whatever they ask you for things, you just start reading the product. <laughs> so Parker, we mentioned you've had an untraditional path and you know, one that you probably wouldn't go back and change cause it's made you the person that you are today. But if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? It's oh, a tough question, but I mean, I think it all has to do with, um, you know, I think at West Point you're given like a lot of resources and, um, one of the people that I was most fortunate to meet was, um, Dr. Zinzer. He's a sports psychologist. And, um, you know, I think he really helped me just kind of understand just like a good mindset to be in. And, um, you know, I think it's helped me not only in hockey, but just kind of in life in general. I mean, just, um, like some of the stuff I've put into practice, like, uh, like now I, I keep a journal for, for uh, each game and each practice. And basically it's, it's about writing, you know, just kind of highlights um, from that practice or game and just kind of focusing on the, on the positives of it. So I feel like as a person, you're the more, I feel like it's easier to remember the negatives as a goalie. I mean, 
every time you get scored on, like that's like a failure. So you kind of have to, you kind of have to make an effort to focus on, on the good stuff. So I think he's, he's definitely been someone that kind of forced me into that practice. And, um, you know, and I think that's, you know, obviously you can use that in life as well, or, you know, in school, like I'd be going in from class to class and each one's a different story. Like I might've bombed a test in one class and then doing great in another. So I think he's definitely helped just to kind of stay even keel um, and kind of just be able to kind of enhance or improve my just emotional intelligence, um, just kind of be able to control um, and just be aware of just where you're, where you're at, like kind of emotionally. So, um, so I think just kind of going into what I'd talked to my younger self about would just be really kind of just like focusing on, you know, preparation because like each game, you know, if you put the work in, whether in practice or whatever, um, you can kind of fall back on that preparation, be able to know that you've, you know, you've seen every shot, you've made every save and you've basically put yourself, you know, to the best of your abilities into that, um, to be ready for that situation. So when it comes to like game time, um, it's, you know, it's just kind of like letting go and, you know, being able to just kind of trust your preparation and being able to have, um, confidence from that preparation as well. So, um, I think that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, I think it goes into any sports, you know, maybe a test, you know, uh, pretty much anything, but just being able to let go and then just being able to be confident, I guess, um, in everything you've done to prepare yourself for that moment. I love that. And one of my favorite quotes that I always go back to and read is the fight is won or lost far away from witness behind the lines in the gym and out there on the road long before I dance under those lights. And I think that just talks and speaks to your preparation that knowing that what you do in the weight room and in practice um, has put you in, in, in the position to be successful. Yeah. I mean, I like going back to, cause it was in Newfoundland last year. There was, it was just like a, I'm trying to think it was either a practice or maybe like a pregame skate, but there was, they were doing this power play. Um, it was just like a power play drill. And then it was uh, basically a situation it was the got got passed up to a guy. Um, they're kind of like in the umbrella and the guy on the top right circle, he did like a, a shot pass to a guy basically right in front of the nets and he was he scored back door on me I was like I don't like this situation so so I kind of set up a, a practice drill after you know after practice was over I got some guys I got the coaches together and we just kind of worked on that situation and you know I, I was able to get to a comfortable spot where you know I felt like I was in a, a good depth and I was able to kind of be patient to let that puck go gets gets the back door without you know being fully committed to that shots and and later, I think it was the day after or something, we played a game and that exact situation happened. I was able to make the save, um, you know, helped me actually got shut out that game. So it helped me conserve the shutout. So, uh, but sure. it was just, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. But, um, but I think that's kind of, it's just like an example, like in a microcosm of just preparation and, um, you know, just being able to, not let failures kind of just like get you down, but just kind of taking the, just having the right perspective and be able to, to learn something from it. So I feel like a lot of people look at failure as a bad thing, but you know, I think 
I welcome failure and be able to uh, just be able to learn from it. I think that's a fantastic example for younger athletes. You know, like you can be really upset that you got scored on and, you know, just take all that energy in a negative way, or you can say, okay, here's a situation that I need to work on. And like you, you make a drill of it and you grow from it and you learn from it. All, all that failure is, is an opportunity to learn. Right. So I think that's something that you need to learn uh, sooner than later especially in athletics, because, you know, that window to be great is so small. So um, pretty cool to see how you're able to flip things around like that. Yeah, I guess that could also be just applied to, I don't know, just do like all the different obstacles have been put through. I mean, you can look at it as either just each one is just like, you could take it personally, like I'm getting screwed over or else you can, kind of learn from it and just kind of appreciate what the um, what it forces you to realize because I think through all of it it's it's definitely made me appreciate hockey and you know be able to um, just doing something that I really enjoy so um, so I mean I kind of appreciate it as it's forced me to kind of understand that you know hockey is just something I love to do and it's something that I want to do for as long as I can um, so I'm grateful for that just going through all these different, uh, all these different challenges or obstacles I've been put through. <laughs> hey, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, it's always awesome talking to you. And like I said, uh, it was really important for me to have a, a group of guys like you and Cam to keep me sane this past year. No, but you, you helped uh, keep me sane as well. And, you know, being able to, uh, just point out, 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 point out all the home depots along our drive to denver was, oh uh, man very, there's so many very therapeutic for me not me <laughs> cool. well i'm glad uh, glad you found a team as well and gee you're so you're doing well it's you know liu minus that liberty game but um <laughs> <laughs> we weren't going to talk about it <laughs> no but it's good to see you guys doing well as, as well Thank you for listening to this episode of Adversity University. You can follow more news about Adversity University on our social media pages. Our Instagram handle is adversity underscore university. Our Twitter handle is adversity underscore UNIV. And our Facebook page is Adversity University. If you know of any high-level athlete or professional that has an interesting story of overcoming adversity and you think they should share it, you can email us at adversityuniversitytalkshow at gmail.com. You can also use that email if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for Adversity University. We look forward to bringing our listeners more content from interesting guests weekly. So stay tuned on social media to see who could be next and what our past guests are up to now.